Why do I feel like the stuff out of the ring has more to talk about than the stuff in the ring recently? We got backstage feuds. We got QR codes, fictitious national holidays, all while there's an anniversary show and a premium live event this week. We're going to talk about it all next on the Squared Circle Psycho Babble. My name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is Ralph Valenti. Ralph, let's start with everything that's going on with Sammy Guevara and Andrade. So originally it was announced that Andrade would be in a mask versus career match against Preston Vance on Rampage. Between last Friday and Wednesday night, Andrade was in an interview where he called out Sammy Guevara for being basically a crybaby, for being too stiff in the ring. Sammy Guevara called him out on it. Andrade was like, no, I, you know, have said things to your face. Pretty much threatened. Next time I see you, I'm going to kick your ass. Turns out there's a backstage feud. Tony Khan goes on Twitter and says Andrade's match is off. Meanwhile, Sammy Guevara is still allowed to wrestle and is in the main event of the anniversary show in a tag team match with Chris Jericho against Brian Danielson and Daniel Garcia. And on top of that, Sammy Guevara picks up the win in that match, pinning Daniel Garcia. During this whole thing, though, in between all this, you have a report come out from TMZ saying that there was a backstage altercation between the two. According to TMZ, Sammy Sammy Guevara was first to throw punches and attack Andrade, even though Andrade was sent home. Dave Meltzer has reported a separate report that conflicts the entire thing, saying it was, in fact, Andrade that did the throwing of the punches. And that is why he was sent home and Sammy Guevara did not throw any punches. So it's got everybody like, what the hell is going on? Why is Sammy allowed to wrestle and Andrade's not? You got some people that are like, listen, Andrade's trying to get himself fired. The reports are saying that. Andrade will not get fired for this, but he is sent home regardless. What do you make of all this? Well, much like the CM Punk Young Bucks feud and that whole debacle that ended up happening, um, a lot of this is hearsay and innuendo because you literally have TMZ that is reporting something that conflicts what a one Dave Meltzer is reporting. And I don't know if we're ever going to get the true story. I mean, look, even when you go and watch some of the shoot, shoot interviews from some of the guys from yesteryear where they're literally the guys that were involved in this fight, even them, even they will give you different and conflicting stories. So even if, you know, somewhere down the road, we got Andrade to give his side of it and we got Sammy to give his side of it. I don't know if they're ever actually going to uh, reveal the truth, so to speak. They're both going to kind of inflate whatever happened. Now, right. what I will say is this. AEW is in a really, really weird spot right now. Um, I think that right now, Tony Khan is finding out just how difficult it is to run a... Uh, a company with a locker room full of a lot of guys with a lot of testosterone, all competing for top spots, a lot of egos, a lot of characters, uh, all that type of stuff. And I think he's realizing that it's very difficult to do so. I think think, that, hold on, hold on. You would think that he would have experience in this while not being the owner of such his dad being the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. You don't think testosterone runs wild in that locker room or characters are in that locker room or, egos are in that locker room you don't think there's firsthand experience with that 
here, here's the difference in my mind. Here's the difference in my mind. Uh, you might get a one-off weird situation where some guy feel, and I, I don't know, this is soccer you're talking about, right? Football, whichever, whatever you want to call it. I'm talking um, about the National the Football NFL, League, the Jacksonville okay. Jaguars. Whatever you, whichever sport, whatever, those are, those are team sports, okay? And, and AEW and all of the backstage cheerleaders, they could all kind of say like, oh, you know, we're, we're a team, AEW's a family, and that all may be true, but at the same time, wrestling is still very much, in my mind, uh, uh, an independent thing. Like, you're, you're all striving, yes, you're working together to try and make AEW uh, successful, you're trying to make it the top wrestling promotion in the world, but in reality, there truly is only one top spot. And right now, John Moxley has that spot. Before that, CM Punk had that spot. Now they're gonna, you're gonna have the guys that are gonna be over, and they'll certainly be individuals that will help, kind of, you know, be like a part of that melting pot to make sure that it's successful. But wrestling is very individualistic in that aspect, where you know, there's one champion. They're all kind of competing for that top spot. And many times when people get to that top spot, um, you know, they're they're reluctant to let go of it or you're competing for, you know, airtime, additional airtime. You want to get your shit over. So Chris Jericho, a guy who has a ton of experience, a ton of pull, I'd imagine backstage. I imagine it's going to be very easy for him to go up to Tony Khan and say, hey, I got this idea. Let's run with it. Uh, rather than, you know, if you if you're just Andrade, who is, you know, a name and a guy that there's potential there, but he really hasn't like done a whole lot whether it's been in ww or AEW, you know well, so you he's jericho, now competing for go ahead, say, go ahead. you bring up jericho and when the original tmz report came out and i saw this going on twitter and i asked this on twitter andrade got sent home his match is canceled sure why is sammy guevara allowed to wrestle and i've had some people respond to me saying jericho's influence do you think jericho influenced tony khan into keeping Sammy Guevara on the show on Dynamite this week. Tony Khan is a true leader and a true CEO and a true boss. The answer should be no. You shouldn't. If if the, if Tony Khan had people that witnessed it, if Tony Khan himself was, witnessed it, if he got sides of it from both Sammy and, and, and Andrade, he should make the final decision. And Chris Jericho should not have any influence, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, did that actually happen? I'd, I'd hope not. I really would hope not. Do you think do you think they made the right call sending Andrade home and keeping Sammy there, knowing what we know and based on whichever story you think is true, the TMZ report or Meltzer's story? Because to <sighs> me, when TMZ or- originally reported this, I was like, this doesn't make sense. If Sammy was the Look, one that threw punches, why is Andrade getting sent home? And let me ask that you TMZ's this. Not- Go ahead. What kind of helped fuel the fire between CM Punk, the Young Bucks, all that type of stuff? Would you say that social media may or may not have a, had a little bit of influence? Maybe because the Bucks could have fueled the fire a little bit. Uh, the stuff that they were putting out there, the the wrestling journalists of the world certainly got wind of stuff and started tweeting it and spreading stories, and it caused CM Punk to go you know, uh, over the edge, so to speak. Do you, do you think, do you feel like social media maybe played a little bit of a, had a little bit of influence of that coming to coming to what it, what had actually ended up happening between those guys in that situation? Yes. In this situation, it just started because Andrade made a comment in an interview. Social media wasn't even a a part of this yet. 
It was after Andrade made the comment in an interview right. that it leaked into Twitter. Okay. So at that point, it, this, this is a decision that needs to be made. Can AEW survive with either of those two guys? I, in my opinion, yes. Sammy Guevara so, yeah. is young. He has found himself involved in a lot of conflict already as a young up-and-comer. Maybe he's protected because he's one of Jericho's boys. I don't know. Only Tony Khan's truly going to know that. Or he's a Andrade, pillar of AEW. Yeah, Andrade is a guy, like I said, that has a lot of potential. We've seen flashes of it in both companies at this point, but has he really done a whole lot? No. In my opinion, he really hasn't. I think that his main uh, call to fame, if you will, has been really in kind of NXT. Um, if I'm Tony Khan, honest to God, I think I, I would fire both of them. And I would say, guys, this is a professional company. We're not pulling this shit. We just had it happen because at the end of the day, whether whatever you thought of Dynamite last night, this is the type of stuff that people are going to kind of gravitate towards and things that are, it, it just fuels the fire for whoever the Jim Cornettes of the world, of whoever those people are that want to say Rome is burning backstage, Tony Khan can't be an effective boss. This prove whether whether it's true or not, it helps prove them right. And Tony Khan needs to put his foot down and slam down an iron fist and say that is enough. This is a professional company. It's my company, and you guys aren't going to do this stuff, and you're not going to get away with it. It just happened less than what three weeks ago, and now yeah, something like this happens. But but and then, Sammy Guevara is in the main event. But but if Sammy Guevara, if you believe Meltzer's report that. Guevara did nothing. He just took a couple punches. It got broken up and that was it. Is there really anything to punish him for if he was just the guy that got punched? You know, he didn't really. He said some shit on Twitter, but who doesn't say shit on Twitter? That's the problem. These guys in the whole Twitter beef back and forth. Go backstage, talk like men, handle it like men, do whatever you're going to do, be smart about it, stop tweeting each other back and forth, first of all. That's, that's like, that's high school shit. That is embarrassing. Like, I can't even believe that that's something that professionals are doing consistently, and it's getting to the point now where it's leading to fistfights backstage. Like, that's where Tony Khan should sit them both down and be like, dude, guys, like, seriously, like, this is a professional company. He said one thing in an interview. You guys went back and forth about on it on Twitter. And rather than talking about, you know, Wardlow or somebody from last night that looked really good. The thing that's going to dominate the headlines of the dirt sheets or whatever you want to call them is going to be that fight. And everybody knows it because controversy is going to sell at the end of the day. And Tony now, Khan needs to punish one or at least one of them. Yeah, that not. I mean, it seems like he's punishing Andrade because he got sent home. And I guess part of the punishment is if you want to believe the narrative that Andrade's trying to get fired and Tony Khan's not going to fire him over this is kind of a punishment in and of itself. And why is it that I have to keep referencing the movie Little Big League when it comes to these backstage feuds? Because yet again, <clears throat> here's another connection to that movie where a guy was trying to get himself traded or released from the Minnesota Twins because he didn't want to work with the, the kid managing the team and instead of saying no i'm not going to release you i'm not going to trade you i'm going to do the exact opposite i'm going to pitch you you're going to go out there you're going to produce because if you don't you're going to get the reputation of this you know disgruntled player that is absent-minded that can't hit his spots that can't remember scouting reports and your value is going to go down and what happened bam 
the guy starts pitching great. Is he playing this same role with Andrade? Like, no, I'm not going to release you. Go take time off, go cool off. And then when you come back, I'll push you because you, all you care about is your value, you know? So if that's the case, maybe that's what we're, why, like Tony Khan is turning into a 12 year old in a freaking big kids baseball movie. In my opinion, I don't think it was smart of him to tell him straight up. If that's true, that he told him, look, if you're trying to get fired and you go and you hit Sammy, that's not going to work. You're essentially kind of saying one of two things. All right. One, you can go hit the guy. I'm not going to fire you. And Andrade Andrade went and did it knowing there was going to be no repercussions. So if I'm Andrade, he's like, okay, well, if I'm not going to get fired for doing this, screw it. I'll just go start a fight with him. Um, Or two, it's like, okay, well, we'll see. I'll go call his bluff. And if he fires me, I get exactly what I want. Tony Khan should have never done that. He should have just sent him home. Hey, dude, don't show up to TV. Go home. We're going to figure out what's next for you. Right. I mean, this. Hey, you know, I, I don't know. This one, I think, was completely avoidable. This wasn't like CM Punk in the Bucks, where like CM Punk came out of nowhere in that media scrum and just aired it out, and then one thing led to another. This one here, like they pretty much told you on Twitter what was going to happen the next time they saw each other, and boom, there yeah. it was. So definitely an avoidable situation. And also on this anniversary show, there was a segment with Hangman Page and John Moxley, where you know he brings up hangman page he likes him he's you know a good kid whatever but he runs his mouth and just like all these other people are getting in trouble by saying shit that you know whatever the exact quote was but do you think moxley saying that on television was in reference to hangman going in business for himself with punk or sammy and this whole thing with andrade or both I, th- I think it was a little bit of both. I think it was like some tug in cheek because I think Moxley at the end of the day, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, locker room leaders. I know there was a joke made about, you know, punk back in the day, kind of thinking he was a locker room leader and people not taking him seriously. I think uh, very much so there, there are a couple guys there that are locker room leaders. And I think Moxley is definitely one that's really high up there on the totem pole. So I think that's his subtle way of saying, Look, I know that some of you guys are doing the doing these things and getting away with it, at least for right now. But, you know, stop doing it. Stop doing it. That's no way to conduct business. Like, at, like I said, it is a very in, in, uh, individual based type of, uh, you know, sport, if you want to call it that. Um, but at the end of the day, they're all kind of playing for the same team, just competing for the top spots. But um, so it sucks that, you know, the, the main thing that's been dominating the headlines, at least coming out of EAW, I feel like for the past, uh, what, month and a half has been backstage drama, rumor, innuendo. That's that's really the unfortunate thing that's kind of come out of the last three, four, five weeks. No, I agree. And the Twitter feuds, I think, got to stop the backstage stuff. Whatever information is getting leaked to journalists that they're reporting, it seems like that's gotten a lot worse since the first two years. And I don't know if it's just because journalists are getting better at digging out this information out of AEW, or there's people within the locker room that are just more open to air this stuff out. But either way, they got to get that shit taken care of and unite people in that locker room. And speaking of uniting, I felt like there was a moment where at least someone in the AEW locker room is trying to unite people, not just in AEW, but the entire nation as a whole, as we celebrated National Scissoring Day on AEW Dynamite's anniversary show. And I got to say, I loved this segment. I loved everything Anthony Bowens went out there and said. 
I love Max Caster. I, I, you know what? I might go to hell for this, you know, growing up as a, a Catholic Christian, but I laughed my ass off for a solid five minutes when Max Caster told everybody to go to their left and go to their right and give peace offerings to scissor everybody. I laughed so freaking hard alone in my office uh, Thursday morning watching that. It was so hilarious. And will you ever will you ever be able to offer peace? And ch- we're going to hell for for this segment right now. By the way, <laughs> oh God, Father, uh, well, do you, Marion, do you? <laughs> but yeah, like I don't know. I, I don't think I could ever step foot in a church again, and I don't know if I ever will, unless you know my son gets married twenty, thirty years down the road. But. When they do the peace offering, I might just do the scissors, and everyone's gonna be well, like, "What the hell?" Uh, my, and wait, my daughter's getting kinda, baptized this year, so yeah, so it's gonna be just hilarious about that whole like scissoring thing and the fact that it's like tied to the LGBT community, and you know, Christians don't or Catholics, diehard Catholics don't like that stuff. So it's just kind of funny in that own right too. But you know, just just goes to show you how over the acclaimed really are that you have swerves that swerve strickland's out there and basically says like this is so stupid and obviously him being the heel shotting shooting it down makes sense for him but it's so stupid but yet entertaining and like when i first was watching this with the acclaim and the whole scissor me daddy whatever i'm like what the hell but it's grown on me and this segment was amazing it really was and i love even though it didn't necessarily need this part, but Max Caster going, you know, not red or not blue, Democrat, Republican, whatever. Let's all unite and scissor each other, whatever. Great moment. Really was a great moment. Yeah. And let's let's take a little bit of time to acknowledge where perhaps the scissor first maybe got a little bit of notoriety, at least on a mainstream level. Uh, do you know where I'm going with this? Do you remember a one Mr. Garrison in Xerxes? <laughs> Yes, yes. Scissor me Xerxes. So, yep. I, I mean, all jokes aside, this was, I, let's, let's say, the fun moment of the show. And that's why I think we all kind of started to gravitate towards AW initially, because there was a lot more segments like this. Or you used to walk away from the show saying, you know what? I, I feel good about watching that show. That was a good pro wrestling show or a good sports entertainment segment or whatever the hell you want to call it. I mean... And that's what I came away from this thinking. It was like, okay, this has the ability to perhaps catch on a little bit, not maybe at the level like the yes movement caught on, but it's something that's kind of like infectious because it's fun. It's, it's funny to joke about, um, you know, Max Caster's always been great. He's always been the focal point. I thought, thought, I thought Bowens was the star of the segment last night. I agree. Uh, last night was probably the best that we've, the longest that he's talked other than his just catchphrase, you know, uh, you know, the whatever town. Yeah, the, the whole thing. Um, but last night, I think, was the longest we've seen him and the most confident we've seen him. And um, it's definitely over. It's definitely working. And I think that, you know, of maybe some of the more homegrown talent, the acclaimed uh, might be at, you know, the level where they're the most over other than maybe somebody like MJF. So uh, it's good to see that they're actually finding success. Now, we've been wrestling fans for at least 30 years, if not more. Did you ever think we'd ever come across a segment that was written around the game Rock, Paper, Scissors? No. <laughs> and here we are, scissoring 
and then rock beats scissors. And then you have Mark Sterling coming out with paper. I'm like, Oh my God, it's rock, paper, scissors. Absolutely. Great. Absolutely. Great. But something that was great on this show from AEW dynamite this week was Wardlow versus Brian cage for the TNT championship. Now, First off, going into this, I was excited because Tony Khan actually solved two missing persons cases in one match. Where's Wardlow and where's Brian Cage? In fact, he might even gotten more because Sammy, uh, Samoa Joe ended up in this segment. We had FTR show up in this segment. The the what are they? The Gates of Agony who show up for Ring oh, of Honor. We're gonna get into them. You know, so like. By the time this segment was over, Tony Khan solved like eight missing persons uh, reports in this one segment of AEW Dynamite. But the match itself, you know, you figure these two guys are going to go at it and beat the crap out of each other, right? But they just showed their athleticism, too. You got hurricanes, you got reversals and all this stuff. Just a really, really good match. And I think Brian Cage more importantly needed this because he's been off dynamite for such a long time that people need to remember you know how good he actually can be in the ring and Wardlow people talked about when he first faced Orange Cassidy oh he needs that test match can he go in the ring for more than just his typical squash match and powerbomb symphony match over he actually can he actually have a good match with somebody this is the test match that he has to prove that point Orange Cassidy yeah, I thought that match was good, and I think they told the story the way it should have been with a couple of minor tweaks, but this is the match that should have been the test match for Wardlow. If they saved that for this, I think this match even would have been even better than it was, but still a great match nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple minor things I think I would have tweaked more so like the the build up towards it. Like, I, I, I would have preferred that last week, Brian, uh, Wardlow comes out, he throws a challenge out there. I will challenge anybody next week. It's an open challenge. I just want a spot because I haven't been on TV, whatever. Brian Cage comes out, they cut a promo. At least you have a weak build towards it because essentially what you were hoping for was this was announced pretty much on Twitter. Like a lot of things are unfortunately announced. But it's an open challenge. So it's, it's, it's an open challenge. But at the same time, like when's the, like you just said it, when's the last time we've seen Brian Cage? Like we haven't seen Brian Cage, which means it's not like he's done anything meaningful. It's not like, you know, he's he anybody. There's no story. There's no not even a week's build to this. It was literally what? Three days ago, it was announced on Twitter. Hey, we're going to I don't even might not even been three weeks ago. So, you know, there's that. Um, I did not dig at all about the the guys that were with Brian Cage. What's that guy's name? Something Nana or whatever the hell his name was. Uh, Nana, Nana. Leona. Are you talking about? I don't know. The guy with the accent. Um, I got big oh, time the, 80s. the manager, King Nana, King Nani. King Nana. I, I got big time 80 backstage WWF vibes, uh, interview vibes from that whole thing. I thought that was bad. Um, and I just feel like, again, like when you talk about you're throwing Brian Cage out there, at least he's a familiar face to AEW. Again, I feel like so many times they're trying to force these Ring of Honor guys onto AEW and it's just like look can we can we just get like let let's just let's just get Wardlow on the right path let's not worry about any of these other guys and it looks like now they're gonna go and feud with FTR so I mean that is what it is the The match itself the gates of agony and FTR are gonna have a ring of honor tag team championship match at battle of the belts Friday night of course 
So, so I mean, um, the match itself was good. Normally, I'm not a fan of like two bigger guys because that just stylistically they typically clash. It's not a good match. It's slow. It's proddy. They made it work. And, you know, a lot of times I'm not necessarily a fan of bigger guys doing like the aerial stuff like we saw you know, Wardlow do the whisper in the wind, I think. And uh, Brian Cage uh, did tr- attempted a 619. If you got two big guys that are pretty equal, you know, you're going to have to go in your bag of tricks to kind of get the one upmanship on that and throughout right. the match. So that's where I don't I don't mind it. If if Wardlow has to do that stuff against somebody like Orange Cassidy, that's when I, I I'm not a fan of it because it's kind of like, all right, well, we're just doing this for the sake of getting a spot in. I mm-hmm. didn't think that was the case in this match. I think they de- both desperately needed a match like this, not because Wardlow's not over, but because Wardlow hasn't been put in a position or en- done anything meaningful in so long. And Brian Cage just hasn't been on TV. So it was good to see them actually go out there, have a good competitive match. That was, um, you know, what, what we were all kind of hoping for, I think. Now Tony Khan has to follow up with that. Absolutely. That's the main thing. Do something next week. Put Wardlow on TV. Have him do another open challenge or something. Do something with Brian Cage. Don't just let this be. Oh, well, you know, they went out there. They tore the house down and on to the next one on to Rampage two weeks from now for Wardlow. Right. Or even Brian Cage, who, you know, for whatever reasons, hasn't been on TV injuries or can't find anything creative for him. It seems like he's got a faction going. So put them on TV. You know, if it's, if the crowd was that into it last night and you know, Wardlow's not exactly a guy that's known for great matches yet in his career. And they got that match out of him. So I say, find a way to get Brian cage on there somehow. I understand he's not the greatest promo, but find something for him on TV. But you know, Talk about solving mysteries, Ralph. We need to solve this mystery once and for all because Saturday night's extreme rules. It seems like we're going to get a reveal of this damn white bunny and these QR codes and what they all mean. All right. So I think most people have the foregone conclusion that Bray Wyatt is involved with the QR codes and may even be the white rabbit. But is there more to this? I have a feeling there is. Some people might say it's all a bunch of red herrings to throw you off the scent of Bray Wyatt. But there's some that might actually think it could be his first target or in fact, a faction he's trying to build. So Ralph, I'll let you start your theory on what we're going to see Saturday night at extreme rules with this whole white rabbit reveal. Well, I, I think the unfortunate thing is if it's anybody other than Bray Wyatt, I think the fans are going to be disappointed and that will be kind of to the fault of WWE because I think they certainly laid it on pretty thick and got the fans to at least believe that this could be Bray Wyatt. And they, I think that the, you know, they led the fans down a certain path. Um, this a is very similar to like, hole, if you will, a certain rabbit hole. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, this is very similar to, you know, the, 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 uh, what was it? The last dance, the first dance with AW with CM Punk. If, if it wasn't, if it was anybody other than CM Punk at that rampage show, the fans would have been pissed and rightfully so. I think WWE finds himself in a very similar position. I am still convinced that the judgment day, whether they're the first initial target or whether they are a, a, a part of Bray Wyatt's new faction here, I still think that they are going to be involved just because there's so many references that lead to uh, the Judgment Day. Yeah. So I I think that they're going to be involved one way or another. I I think Judgment Day are involved. 
we've talked about this a, a couple episodes now. I we tied Demon to Finn Balor, the lyrics to Alistair Black to Damian Priest, the word patricide in one of the clues to Dominic. The only thing I couldn't figure out was Rhea. Rhea, Rhea, Rhea. How do how do these clues tie to Rhea? And then I did a random search earlier this week and I was like, who does the theme music for Rhea Ripley? Because I thought maybe it's the same band that did her entrance music. Turns out she got a new entrance music a couple weeks ago. And the title of her theme song is called Demon in Your Dreams. So another demon tie-in. So there you go. There's your tie-in to um, Rhea Ripley there. And there's been a lot of clues with Demon other than the first episode, uh, the first QR code playing Hangman. Demon, Demon. Everyone's like, oh, Demon's just another word for Fiend. Sure, whatever. But also, you have the Morse code in one of the QR codes that revealed as a zeal, I think is how you pronounce it. A zeal, a zeal uh, reborn. Okay. A zeal in, in Jewish beliefs, I believe if, I'm, if I did the, the research correctly, is a demon himself. So there's another demon clue there. So. And seeing that the last time we saw the demon Finn Balor was Extreme Rules, I definitely think the Judgment Day are involved. What I think it is, all you got to do is look at Bray Wyatt's Twitter. His handle is Wyatt6. Now, there was a trademark that he filed last year for some clothing line. But what if Wyatt6 is actually a faction he's starting? You have Bray, you have Finn, Damian, Dominic, Rhea. Who's the sixth? And there's three potential people it could be. The first one is Joe Gacy. Because if you, I think one of the URLs has binary code, which if you translate it, goes to the word Gacy. And obviously, many people have made the connection of his character to Bray Wyatt's Eater of World character. Makes sense. The question is, what do you do with the dyad? That's easy. Bring them back as the uh, grizzled young veterans. Triple H likes the grizzled young veterans. They deserve to be the Grizzly Young Veterans. None of this dyad crap. Okay. Baron Corbin. We saw a zip code that led to Corbin, Kentucky. We have not seen Baron Corbin since even before the QR code started. And obviously there are people that say the Corbin zip code is more of a tie-in to the last time Bray Wyatt wrestled before he was the Fiend against Baron Corbin. But you also have all the tie-ins to the Wolf. What was Baron Corbin's nickname at one point? The Lone Wolf. Lone Wolf. Azale, right? Azale reborn or repackaged. Azale kind of sounds like another guy who was recently repackaged in WWE, and we haven't seen him in a while. And we go to the story of Samson, who cut his hair and lost all his power. Part of the repackaging of this guy was they cut his hair, and he maybe lost all his power and charisma. Do you know who I'm talking about, Ralph? Not off the top of my head. One Ezekiel, formerly known as Elias Samson. So could the sixth man be Elias brought back? He hasn't, he's been gone for, I don't know how long. I'm sure it's to grow his hair back and grow his beard (laughs) back. Yeah. So is, is he part of the Wyatt six as Elias? I think I have something here, folks. It's not just Bray Wyatt. It's the Wyatt Six. The Judgment Day, Elias, and Bray Wyatt. And Will you don't it all think be it's... revealed Saturday? No, I don't think so. 
but I think we're going to start seeing some of the pieces tie in and it's going to build more and more and more till we eventually see all six of them together at some point. Or I just read way too much into this. Well, they want you to read into it. That's the whole point of this whole mystery that they're kind of throwing out there for everybody. It's it's keeping people entertained and engaged. And, you know, I mean, any thoughts about Alexa Bliss? Do you think she's involved in it at all? See, it all depends on how it's revealed. Because Bray can reveal himself and pr- possibly kidnap Alexa, right? Because, it, I mean, that was the last person that helped Bray Wyatt lose. Because it was her that helped Randy yeah. Orton win at WrestleMania. and. That was supposedly the tie in with the whole Samson story and Delilah and all that stuff is Alexa's Delilah and he's Samson. Okay, that makes sense. Go after the demon Finn Balor. The last time he started a new character, Finn was his first uh, target. Does he do that again? Seth Rollins. Do they close out the show if the fight pit is last, right? If the fight pit is last, does he attack Seth Rollins either during the match or after the match? And that's your closing moment of Extreme Rules. Karrion Cross is involved in the show, and he was once known as White Rabbit in another promotion. Is it where that's revealed there as Karrion Cross? And this whole thing with Bray Wyatt is just a ruse. Any other theories that you might have for this? No other theories that I can offer. The only one that I'm hope I was hoping that would end up being a part of this, not because there's any tie-in, just because he's one of those guys that's kind of like. <laughs> A little off the cuff, if you will, and a little bit of weird, a little weird, depending on how you, what you think of him, is uh, Ilya Dragunov. But don't know how if he's get, being called up. What what clues would you get, though, with him, though? Well, that's what I said. I said there are no current tie-ins for him. Right. But he's somebody that I think could fit into, like, especially somebody who's in NXT, but that can work his way up. That might not be a bad spot for him to land in. You know, mm-hmm. he's one of those guys that, you know, he's uh, weird's not a right way to put it. He's out there. He's 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 a character guy. It's not like he's a uh, I don't know. It's not like he's a guy that relies on his technical prowess as good as he is. He's great in the ring. But there's certainly like a a part of him that is off, whether it's the contacts. He's walking out and he's acting like he's a, a maestro of sorts, a conductor. And, you know, he's great. I can see what you're saying. But all right. So we know. Something's going to happen in Extreme Rules with this White Rabbit thing, but we also have a card full of awesome matches. Six matches on the card all together. Two championship matches. Every single match has some sort of Extreme Rules stipulation in it. So let's get down to it. Let's make our predictions for this. We'll start with the strap match. Karrion Cross versus Drew McIntyre. Who you got with this one? Cross. Cross needs it. I feel like McIntyre needs a bounce back, though. But it does Cross lose momentum in losing to McIntyre, though? I don't think you, I don't think anybody truly loses momentum losing to McIntyre. But this is a guy that got cut or whatever ended up happening with that whole thing. He was released because was released. the previous administration did not have faith in him and he wasn't connecting. And uh, he came out with some really goofy attire. And ever since Triple H has brought him back, he's been positioned as a top guy. Well, how do you arrive as a top guy? You beat top guys. And if this is a guy that's going to truly compete at that level, he's got to get a main event win. Drew can get that win back at some point. He doesn't have to lose clean. I mean, for for Christ's sake, it's extreme rules. He could he could pull a giant red mallet from under the under the ring and and smash his head in with it like the fiend. Please would've. no. I know. 
I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> but no, I think Karen Cross needs a win with this. All right. Moving on to the next match here. The I Quit match, Finn Balor versus Edge. Judgment Day should be at ringside for this. Maybe this is where Bray Wyatt reveals himself as the White Rabbit. But who do you got in this? Edge keeps saying he's never going to say I quit. Do they do the Mick Foley finish and have him play a recording of Edge saying I quit? And that's how they get Finn Balor to win. This is tough because I can't envision wins. What's that? They both need need wins. Judgment Day needs a win. Finn Balor needs to essentially assert himself as the true leader of this faction. But I don't know if I could see Edge. Li- the only way I see this happening, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Finn Balor wins. I think something weird is going to happen where Beth Phoenix comes down to the ring. They get her in some weird compromising position, like they got her neck in a chair or something. And that's the way they get Edge to quit. Like, the, it, it, it's not because Edge is beaten or it's like they're forcing him to quit because they're literally going to hurt his wife. That's the only way I see this ending. So in a way, it's like the 1994 Survivor Series where Owen forced Mrs. Hart yeah. to throw in the towel. Martha, right? Is that her name? No, no. Owen's wife is Martha. I can't I can't remember uh, Brett, Brett and Owen's Hart's mom's name right now. Sue? I don't know. No, I have to go back Stu to the and, Stu and Stu and Helen, Helen Hart, Helen okay, Hart. There you go. Either way. But yeah, I could totally see that happening where they forced Beth to say I quit. I think they did the same thing with uh, Jimmy Uso saying I quit the Jay Uso. And that's how the bloodline basically started that whole storyline. But that that's the only way I could see Edge quitting in this match. And I don't really see Finn losing. The question, though, is does he come out as the demon? Uh, no, I don't think so. I feel like if he was a baby face in his storyline, yes. Yeah, but if exactly. He's the heel, I think pe- too many people would pop if he comes out as the as the demon there. Uh, next up, we have the six man Donnie Brook match. Good old Donnie Brook, the brawling brutes, Sheamus, Ridge Holland, and Butch against Imperium's Gunta, Ludwig Kaiser, and Giovanni Vinci. I am excited for this match. The amount of pain and anguish that they're gonna lay on each other. I don't know who's going to be redder. Seamus's hair, Seamus's chest, Gunther's chest. I mean, everyone's going to get a beating in this match. Part of this one's hard to predict because you have Seamus and Gunther going for an IC title match on SmackDown. So I think whoever loses that match, their team wins at Extreme Rules. I don't see the title coming off of Gunther just yet. So I say he wins the IC title match, but the Brawling Brutes win the Donnybrook match. That's, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Whether it's Kaiser or somebody like, I, I don't even know, is this like one guy gets pinned? Is it elimination or we don't really I know? I think it's one point. pin. It's a one fall. Okay. I could see like Vinci or Kaiser taking the pin. Yeah. And it'd be cool because it would allow Walter kind of to exert his dominance within the group and like kick the crap out of one of them for for losing you know well, if kaiser so. takes the pin again and has to take the punishment again it just kind of falls into the storyline that they were kind of doing a couple months ago right where kaiser kept losing the shinsuke and he just slapped the hell out of him or gunther slapped the hell out of him or does giovanni vinci take the the pin and then he gets his initiation to the main roster in that regard either way i i see the brawling brutes winning this one with gunther retaining the smackdown or excuse me, the Intercontinental Championship 
Uh, should we do the fight pit first or should we go with the women's championship matches first? Let's go with the fight pit. All right, we'll go with the fight pit next. Matt Riddle versus Seth freaking Rollins. Daniel Cormier, the special guest referee. The last of our non-title matches on this card. I feel like this will probably be the main event, but you also could put Bailey and Bianca in the latter match. That's a historical match being the first women's singles title match uh, for a ladder match there. You know, we already seen Matt Riddle have a fight pit match before, and I thought that was great. If you haven't seen that mm -hmm. one, definitely check it out. I don't know how Seth is going to do in a fight pit situation because it's not exactly a wrestling match. It's more of a mixed martial arts worked shoot fight. So does that kind of hinder the match because it's not really in his style of wrestling per se? Well, it allows some wiggle room for Seth to lose and then for him to come out and say it wasn't a wrestling match. Like it wasn't sanctioned. I didn't actually lose it. Something like that. Um, yeah. The question is how serious is Triple H about pushing Matt Riddle? Because a win over Seth Rollins means you've made it, whether it's in a fight pit or whether it's in a ring. Um, I think that Seth, what they're trying to do with him, he's going to go after the IC title. I don't know how you transition into that without him winning. And I don't think Riddle needs a win here. I think Seth's going to win. And by Some IC way, title, somehow. you mean US title, right? Yeah, it's the same shit. Mid-card title on the show. But I feel like Seth, if he's going to challenge Lashley on Raw, for the U.S. title, and he already challenged for the title and lost, I feel like he needs to win this fight pit match and then win the U.S. title from Lashley. Because as much as people think it's going to happen, as much as people say they want it to happen, Roman Reigns is not splitting those titles, and there's not going to be a quote-unquote world champion on Raw. The Raw World Heavyweight Championship right now is that U.S. title. And the top guy on Raw right now, you could argue Kevin Owens, you can argue Matt Riddle, but I think it's Seth Rollins. And you got to put the top title on the top guy in on the show, and that is Seth Rollins. So I do think Seth finds a way to win this fight pit, and then we'll go on to win the U.S. title on Raw Monday night. Now, speaking of you know Raw, that's one of the titles that are going to be up for uh, at Extreme Rules, but We'll start with the women's SmackDown championship. Ronda Rousey, Liv Morgan, the only extreme rules match on the card. And the story basically is Liv Morgan is trying to prove that she could do what it takes to stay champion. She can be extreme against the baddest woman on the planet. I felt like the last couple months, it's like, all right, this is going to end. The honeymoon, the, the time is over. She's going to drop the belt, but they find ways for her to win. An extreme rules match, I feel like it's an easy way to get an out out of this, have her retain and beat Ronda Rousey. But do they dare have her beat Ronda Rousey three times this year when no one beats Ronda Rousey, whether it's in the octagon or in the squared circle? And yes, you could give me your examples of who actually did beat her. I understand she's lost before, but she's practically indestructible when it comes to, we'll say the sports entertainment known as pro wrestling. I don't see Ronda losing again. Um, Unless Charlotte comes back it's or possible. Shayna gets involved. We haven't seen Shayna, I don't think, in a while. We haven't seen Shayna, and that could be an interesting little riff in this whole thing. Um, clean, do I see Ronda, Ronda losing? No. 
Definitely I think not. Ronda's winning. I think Ronda's winning. I do actually think that uh, Ronda will probably win because I do, you know, I don't, I wouldn't say the honeymoon's over with Liv, but she's done better. She has done better, but I just Besides don't think it. they see the investment like they see in, they don't see the investment in Liv like I think they see the investment in Ronda. I, so. I could agree with that, but. Do people backlash if Ronda wins because it's like, oh, they're just putting the belt on Ronda. I mean, we've seen that already. She just wins all the time kind of thing that we typically see from some of those IWC fans, whether it's Charlotte or Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar. Is Ronda clopped into that group there where you kind of don't want her to win because that's the expected outcome? Uh, Yeah, maybe. But at the same time, the same people that were complaining about Brock, I mean, he ended up being one of the most over guys. Don't forget, the IWC is the most vocal, but they are very small percentage of the wrestling fan base that think their opinion is more important than anybody else's. So they could say whatever they want. Ronda gets a reaction every time. True. So true. All right. So our last match we're predicting here: Bailey and Bianca Belair for the Raw Women's Championship. Maybe gets up being the main event. Maybe it's the fight pit with Seth and and Matt Riddle, but first time ever the either, either singles women's championship match will be decided in a ladder match on a pay-per-view. Who do you got in this one? Bailey keeping the momentum going for damage control or does Bianca Belair retain? Uh, I like Bianca a lot. She's probably my favorite women's wrestler on the main roster. Uh, I think Bailey's winning this. I really do. I think she's got the faction behind her. You can argue if the faction works or not, but I just find this so odd that they built this story around Bailey being able to pin Bianca for the first time in 300 days. And the match is a ladder match and there's no pin involved. That's so stupid in my opinion. But I also think that's the reason why Bianca's winning this match. She doesn't have to pin Bailey back to win the match. And I think, Asuka and Alexa get involved in this match and cancel out EO and and Dakota Kai, Dakota Kai. And that will lead to their women's tag team championship match down the line. Who knows? Maybe it's Raw on the Monday or on the next pay-per-view, whatever the case may be. Bianca retains, and I don't know what's next for damage control, and I don't know what's next for Bianca after this, though. That's that's the thing I worry about this because they put so much into this storyline. But now I think we've reached the point where it's probably reaching its end. But what's next? Unless that's the story leading into Survivor Series and this is the War Games match. And that's going to be the climax of the storyline. But what's next between Saturday and the end of November? You got to build like six more weeks of storyline to keep it engaging and get invested for this war games match if that's the route they're going with them thanks for listening to this episode of the squared circle psycho babble if you liked what you heard and you're listening on either itunes or spotify make sure you give us a five-star review to help spread the word and we'll see you on the next episode of the squared circle psycho babble